We come this morning in our studies in the book of Colossians to a whole new section. We finished last Lord's Day those directions to different categories of people. We started with uh, wives, then husbands, then children, then parents, then slaves, then masters. And all of those individually, uh, what we might call uh, tailor-made-to-fit directions for each of those different categories, Uh, Paul has finished that. And now he comes again to some general exhortations to the body of Christ, to the people of God. And that's where we are in chapter 2. So please open your Bibles, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 2. Please open your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 4. And we'll pick up in verse 2. And we'll just read uh, through down through verse 4 this direction with regard to prayer. Colossians 4, verses 2 through 4. And the Apostle Paul writes, By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, with the authority of God, so we need to listen, as it were, to the voice of God speaking to us. And he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, or literally with thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God may grant or open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak." And as we saw with the previous directions to individuals, uh, this parallels a section in the letter to the Ephesian church. Turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And while there is not the parallel in Colossians of that section with regard to the Christian's armor, we do pick up in verse 18 of of Ephesians 6 with directions about prayer. And it says, Ephesians 6, 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought." to speak. Well, let's pray even now that I might speak clearly, boldly, plainly, accurately, as I ought to speak, but also that each one would hear clearly, plainly, obediently, submissively, as we ought to hear. So let's come to God and ask for his help this morning. Our Lord and our God, we confess that in many things we are slow to hear. We are quick to speak and even quicker at times to anger, quick to sin, slow to speak in prayer. We ask that you would quicken our hearts by your word, come by your spirit. May there be that mighty rushing wind, not of Pentecost, not a repetition of that once for all event in Acts chapter 2, but the mighty rushing wind of your spirit coming and moving upon our hearts by the word to work in us faith and obedience 
and grant to us the spirit of prayer and supplication by grace, that we might obey this word, to be diligent, to be fervent, to be continuing, to be committed to prayer. And that this people, Trinity Baptist Church, your people, that we would be known as a praying people. And that you would hear our cry. And even as we prayed earlier for more laborers in your harvest field, we pray now for more to come to faith in Christ, that the nations would stream to Zion. Well, Lord, hear our prayer as we echo the promises of Scripture in our prayers and the commands of Scripture in our prayers. Hear us for Jesus' sake as he intercedes for us. Amen. Now, as we have this command, and it is a command, be diligent, be devoted to prayer here in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Uh, I want to just give a quote. Martin Luther is reported to have, quote, to have said, If I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have so much business, I cannot go without spending three hours daily in prayer. I tried to track down the quote, and uh, it may be apocryphal, but uh, Luther was known as a man of prayer and probably said something like that in all the many books that he wrote and all the many uh, chats that he had by the table in his home as people would gather and visit him. Yes, in fact, Spurgeon commented on this statement of Martin Luther that he needed, he had so much to do, he needed to pray more. Spurgeon said, now most people would say, I have so much business to do today that I must have only three minutes for prayer. Martin Luther put it the other way around, as many of us might have done. What is your view of prayer? What is your practice of prayer? When you get busy and you get involved, do you say, well, I don't have time for prayer today? That was evidently not Martin Luther's attitude, and it's certainly not what we find in Colossians 4, verse 2. Be devoted, be committed, give yourselves to prayer. Do you think it's unnecessary? Do you think it's just a little extra? Well, I, I can do what I have to do today, even if I don't pray. If that's the case, where is your dependence? Where is your trust? Where is your reliance? Self-reliance, it seems. Are you committed and convinced by what Jesus said? Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. Now, we can do a lot of stuff if you don't pray. But of spiritual value of lasting impact. Can you save anyone? Can you keep yourself from sin by your own power? Can you keep yourself on track? Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you believe what Jesus said, not just in theory, but in practice, in your heart, then you will give yourself to prayer, whether you feel like it when you get out of bed, 
whether you're busy or not, whether you think you have time for it or not, you will give yourself to prayer. Like it or not, you would say in your heart, if I do not pray, I perish. And so this passage this morning, Colossians 4.2, reminds us of the vital importance of prayer. And there are three things in verse 2, and I had originally thought of going all the way through verse 4 this morning, but, uh, well, trying to keep to a reasonable ending time, as I've been exhorted to do uh, and encouraged to do, I'm going to just stick with verse 3. And verse 3 has already three things in it. You can just crack it, and like an egg, you've got a white and a shell and a yolk. And you've got three parts right there. Uh, what are they? Well, there's a command, be constant in prayer. Secondly, be watchful in prayer. And thirdly, be thankful in prayer. All right. Do you see those three things right there in verse 2 of Colossians 4? Devote yourself, that is, be constant. Be devoted to prayer. Secondly, keeping alert or be watchful in prayer. And thirdly, with an attitude or literally, and I the literal better, with thanksgiving. So three things we'll take up then this morning. First of all, be constant in prayer. And that's the command, that's the imperative that we find right at the beginning of the verse. Be constant. Now the word that Paul used here, and, and you know, we do word studies. Why do we do word studies? Because they inform us what the Word of God is trying to say to us. And sometimes word studies are a little tedious and, uh, and, and you know, sometimes they're educational. Hopefully they're always educational, but sometimes they're really, almost you would say, entertaining. You learn a lot and you find things that minister to your heart. And this word, when you do a little word study on it, this word that says be constant or watch uh, or, or rather uh, uh, continue earnestly, devote yourself, this word's used 10 times in the New Testament. And out of those 10 times, five of them are related to prayer. Let me just quote them for you. All right, Acts we have this one, Colossians 4.2, Acts 1.14. These all, those in the upper room, the 120, they were all continually with one mind. There's Pastor Carlson's favorite word, homothumadon, with one mind, with one heart, devoting themselves to prayer. What was that early church known as? What, were, what, what was their mark? You describe them? They were devoted to prayer. Continually. They were in that business. Acts 2.42. Now you add to that mix 3,000. All right, so 120, you think, well, it's easier to do that with a small church or a smallish church. Now you add 3,000. What do we read about them? Acts 2.42. And they were continually devoting themselves, same word, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers, literally. They were devoted. They were still devoted. 120 plus 3,000, they're committed to pray. Acts 6, 4. When now the, the disciples multiplied, and I just uh, addressed this topic on Thursday night with the deacons. And you, so you have the 120 plus 3,000, and then the Lord was adding to their number every day, such as should be saved. So you added, added, and then you get 5,000 added in uh, chapter 4, I think it is, chapter 5. And then it still says that in chapter 5 that uh, with Ananias and Sapphira, 
that in spite of them really being disciplined severely by the Lord to the point of death, the Lord was continually adding to their number multitudes. And so you add all that up and you've got a lot of people and <laughs> problems develop and the 12 apostles have their hands full and so they get deacons. And what do the apostles do? They tell the, these new deacons, they tell the congregation, we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. We're going to give ourselves to this work. And so this word, with regard to prayer, uh, we see... Oh, one more, one more text. That was only three. Romans 12, 12. We are to be rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. We heard about persevering last Lord's Day. What else? Devoted to prayer. Now, again, what does it mean to be devoted to prayer? Well, this word is also used in some interesting contexts. In Mark 3, this word is used uh, about a boat that's, always, that, that's kept waiting for Jesus when he's preaching to the multitude by the seashore. And they said, keep a boat ready and waiting. It's always there. It's ready in case it's needed. It's on hand. Well, we're to be on hand in prayer. Not sort of, you know, if ever we think about it, maybe. It's right there. We're to be ready for prayer. We're to be on hand with it. And then uh, Simon Magus, we read of in Acts chapter, um, I didn't put that down. That's, oh, it's in Acts. I didn't put the reference down. But Simon Magus, it was said that he was hanging on Philip. He was in constant attendance on Philip. Well, you know, this man was amazed at Philip, that he had the uh, power of the Spirit to heal and to even uh, lay hands on people, and they would have the Holy Spirit. He was amazed. And he said, give me that gift also. But it says he was like hanging on Philip. He was right there. Well, prayer, we ought to be right there with prayer. And it says of Cornelius, the centurion, that he had soldiers in constant attendance. Right there at his elbow. And so when it says we're to be devoted to prayer, we're to have prayer right at our elbow. It's, it's something that we're, we're, as my version puts it, devoted to. Right there. Always ready. Always ready to pray. And so... Uh, this is what this text commands us. Prayer ought to be just something that's always at your elbow. It's something right there. You're, you're devoted to this. You're not going to let it go. You're not going to let it be far from you. Other scriptures give us this command in different words, not using this same uh, Greek word. First Thessalonians, I'm sure you thought of this verse, 517. Pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6.18, we read, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert, different word, be on the alert with perseverance and petition for all the saints. Well, that's that other word we find in Colossians 4 as well. And Luke 18, from the lips of our Lord Jesus. Luke 18.1, now he is telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. And so again, coming back to Colossians 4.2, what is God's will for you, brother and sister? 
to be devoted to prayer. Whatever else marks you, I hope you're devoted to your wife, men and ladies. I hope you could say you're devoted to your husband. I hope you could all say we're devoted to our Bibles. But I hope it would be true of you that you're devoted to prayer, given to prayer, always at your elbow. Now, what does this mean for us? Of course, it does not mean that you pray every minute of every day. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this, and who also wrote uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing, he said many other things. He said, husbands love your wives. He said, you know, wives uh, submit to your husbands. He said a lot of other things that we're to do. Uh, slaves obey your masters. Well, I, I can't. I'm praying today, master. <laughs> um, There's so many other things to do. And so obviously he's not saying that every minute of every day we're engaged on our knees in specific, committed, uh, verbal prayer. But what it does mean is that we are seriously, brethren, seriously committed to regular, faithful, and fervent prayer. Are you committed to breathing? Now, you have masks on. I'm, I'm, you know, I think it would be hard to preach with, with a mask on, but it's not hard to breathe with one. You're committed to breathing. I think we do it all the time. Well, you committed to eating? I suspect, I think I know you all well enough to say, yes, that's something we like to do. We perish if we don't eat and breathe. Well, are you committed in a similar way to prayer? Do you feel your need desperately? As a church, we have prayer meeting every week, and we've had that prayer meeting every week, uh, except last, you know, week and a half ago, when there was the storm that knocked us out and we weren't ready for online and we couldn't do online anyway because we didn't have power here until the last minute. Um, But we've been committed to prayer even when we had a shutdown, a lockdown, a quarantine. And from the start, it was maybe a little glitchy as we, the elders were leading from our homes with what kind of background behind us. And, you know, maybe the dog barks and the kids cry and the cocks crow. Well, not not here, maybe not cocks crowing. Uh, But in the Philippines, you would get that in the background noise. Uh, But we carried on. We're committed to prayer as a church. But are we committed? Here's the question. And I put it to you personally, individually, as well as corporately. What does your prayer life indicate? If we were honestly to take a survey now, this morning, this past week, let's review this past week. Did you pray every day? Did you have specific, I'm not saying about it, Neil, you said, thank you, Lord. But did you have specific time to seek God at his throne of grace daily? Did you seek to plead with him for the concerns of the church, of your family, of your own situation, as well as, well, we'll see later, thanksgiving and praise? Did you pray this past week? I remember hearing some years ago 
I heard it on cassette tape. You remember those? Uh, Dr. Henry Krabendam spoke at the family conference, uh, Harvey Cedars, years and years ago, on the subject of revival. And he was talking about the means of revival, and one of the means of revival was prayer. And he said he asked, or he heard a pastor, actually, uh, who asked in a pastor's conference, the gathered pastors, how long do you pray every day? And they asked for a show of hands. How many of you pray for at least an hour every day? And only a few of them raised their hands. And then he cut it in half. How about a half hour? How many of you pray for a half hour? A few more raised their hands. How about 15 minutes? 10 minutes? 5 minutes? And some of the pastors shamedly admitted that they didn't even pray 5 minutes. Now, brethren, that's in a sense our job, you might say. We will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And you might say, well, we get paid for that. Well, you know, if you pay somebody to pray, what you get is paid for prayers. Uh, That's not worth much. But not even five minutes a day for a pastor? Well, how about you? I mean, honestly, are you devoted? Are you committed? Are you given to prayer? Do you feel like you're going to perish if you don't pray? Now, uh, you know, it's one thing, okay, you ask the question, and then we all feel guilty. Because honestly, my experience, even a, a pastor who might say he prays for an hour, the most prayerful of us, would have to confess, I don't pray as much as I ought. I think that would be universal. I think I could get 100% agreement to that statement here at Trinity Baptist Church. So I'm not just saying this to make you say, well, I failed. But I want to encourage you then, from today, to move forward in prayer. What will encourage you then? Well, first of all, consider your need. You are weak. The temptations around you are great. We have a voracious, roaring lion as an enemy who's not seeking to be petted, but he's seeking to devour you. We have potential for sorrow in this world. No man knows what a day will bring forth. I remember meeting a pastor in South Africa who said he said goodbye to his wife, kissed her. She was going out to the store. And he looked out the window of their apartment building to see her drive, pull out of the driveway of the parking lot, and her car be smashed by a big truck. And she perished in his arms. And I've thought of that. When my wife would leave the house, no man knows what a day will bring forth. And made me fervent in prayer. That God would preserve my loved ones. You don't know what awaits you. We need to be fervent in prayer. Consider the needs of your loved ones. Consider the importance of issues at stake. Life and death. Heaven and hell. Eternity. Eternity. And when you let those things soak in your soul. I got, I've got to pray. 
Because I can't do all these things. I'm not in control of these situations. But I know one who is. As Pastor Con prayed earlier, he's got everything. He's at the helm of the universe. As I read something this morning, not one speck of dust on a busy highway will jump out of its place without the God of the universe directing it. He has it all. He's got the whole world in his hands, the old spiritual said, and it's true. So we can plead with him. We can come to him with our burdens, with our cares. We think of the needs of the kingdom. The Lord of the harvest. He gives the harvest. We don't. We can pray. We can water. But it's only God who gives the increase. And we plead for that increase. We plead for laborers. Consider the need. That will drive you to prayer. The second thing is, consider the good examples before you. The Lord Jesus Christ himself, the greatest example. Mark 1.35, and this is that morning after he had healed multitudes in Capernaum. You You might have said, well, young, asleep in today. I would have probably said that on a day such as that. But in Mark 1.35 we read, And in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. After a busy day, well, he had more to do. He needed, and he's the son of God. He needed his father's help. He needed grace. And so, there's an example. Consider Daniel. Remember, there was the decree that anybody prays to anyone other than to the king. Their life is forfeit. They're going to be cast to the lion's den. Because his enemies knew that the only way to trap him was with regard to his relationship to his God. And what did Daniel do? Well, he went as usual, no change in pattern, Back on his knees before the open window, praying towards Jerusalem. Not that we have to face in a certain direction. But that was his habit. And he didn't change it. Praying towards Jerusalem. They arrested him, brought him to the king, who finally saw what his decree had done. Cast into the lion's den. O king, my God whom I serve, he's able Daniel, David, evening and morning and at noon I will complain and murmur. That doesn't mean he's grumbling at God, but he's pouring out his situation before God's throne. And he will hear my voice. Consider the examples. Men before you. Were they failures? Of course not. Our Lord Jesus. Daniel, he was one of those Three men who was considered as an example in the Old Testament. Look at these three. Daniel was one of them. Consider David, a man after God's own heart, in spite of his sin. A man after God's own heart. And so, good example. Do you want to have a testimony like these mere men? Do you want to follow the footsteps of Jesus? You need to be devoted to prayer. And consider the blessing attending on prayer. It's not a fool's errand. 
You're not wasting those minutes that you could be doing other things. That's what the devil says because he doesn't want you to pray. Hebrews 11.6. I like to come back to this verse from time to time. Hebrews 11.6. He who comes to God must believe that he is and, you can finish the verse, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so I remember an English pastor preached for us in the Philippines at a pastor's conference. He's with the Lord, with the Lord now. He sees him face to face. But he said, there's the Father up in heaven. And, and he's got blessings to shower. And he's looking out. Oh, there's my son. Will he come seek me today? Oh, he's going out the door. He didn't stop and pray. Oh, he's going off to work. Oh, well, these blessings some other time. He rewards those who seek him. Why wouldn't you seek him? Think of it. It's, it's, it's not punishment to pray. God doesn't beat you if you pray. He rewards those who seek him. He said, well, that's reward. I, I don't serve for reward. Well, go back in Colossians. We have the reward of the inheritance. God is not a, a God who, who poo-poos the idea, if you will, of reward. It's in the Bible. Come and pray. Seek his face. Luke 11, verses 9 and 10. I say to you, Ask, and you shall, it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. Now, that's not a guarantee that you come with your shopping list to God that he's going to give you every item on your list. But it's saying that God's ears are open, because the very next verse, by the way, says, he will not give a stone uh, to his son who asks for bread. And so maybe what you think is bread is really a stone. He's not going to give it to you. Okay? I, I, remind yourself of that as well. God can see through your request and know if you're asking for a stone. He's not going to give it to you. All right? He's not going to give you a snake when you ask for it. Because he's got bread and fish. He knows what's right. He's a good God. Luke 18, 7. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? The encouragements to prayer are many. The commands are there, of course. But I'm trying to encourage you that this is for your good. We perish if we don't pray. We need him. Every hour, every moment, seek his face. And so that's the first thing. Devote yourselves to prayer. The second thing, and I just looked at my watch. Boy, what happened? Somebody sped up the hands. Second thing is be watchful in prayer. And this is not so long, but be watchful. Look at the text again, going back to Colossians 4.2. Now, there's another little word study. This word's used more, but it's the same word Jesus used when he said, watch and pray there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And 
It's the same word that he uses when he talks about the second coming. He says, watch because you do not know at what hour the Lord will return. Watch, be ready. Now, as we apply this to prayer, as a bare minimum, it means stay alert, keep awake. Do we need that? Yes, we do. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm sitting in the pew and the pastor is leading in the pastoral prayer, what comes natural? You sit down, bow your head and close your eyes. What comes naturally? I don't know about you, but for me, I hope I don't snore, but the natural thing is to fall asleep. And so this command, I try to write it on the inside of my eyelids, keep alert in it, keep awake in it at the minimum, because you're not going to do any good sleeping through the prayer. So fight drowsiness, fight going to sleep in your devotions, in prayer meeting, during the pastoral prayer, uh, fight it. Well, you have to pinch yourself, stand up. I know some of the brethren in the prayer meeting, when we do gather, and thankfully we're gathering again, stand up in the back. Why? Because they don't want to fall asleep. Keep alert. But secondly, it doesn't just mean stay awake. It means be aware of your spiritual surroundings. Keep alert. Now, Andy and I, when, when uh, he, was, he was still in high school, we went to a seminar at the U.S. Embassy in Manila. And the point of the seminar was how to avoid being kidnapped. Now, it's a good thing, right? Well, sadly, one of the homegrown industries in the Philippines is kidnapped for ransom. And there are those who do that for a living. And so you want to avoid that. And so the advice of the U.S. Embassy was basically, I'll give it to you in a phrase, be a hard target. Be a hard target. They're looking for the easy target, the people who are not aware of their surroundings, just wandering around aimlessly. Be a hard target. Be alert. Keep your eyes right and left and in your back. Watch your back. Be aware of people who might be sidling up to you. Be aware of groups of men. Be aware of danger signs. Well, let's apply that. Be a hard target for the enemy of your soul. Be alert in prayer. Come to God and aware of your need. Plead with Him. Be aware of your spiritual surroundings, that there are dangers, there are temptations. We live in a wicked, sin-cursed, dangerous world. Don't let the devil sneak up on you and surprise you. Be a hard target for the enemy of your soul. But then I would say thirdly in applying this, be alert in prayer. Avoid what I would call spiritual sleeping pills. Spiritual sleeping pills. What puts people to sleep spiritually? Uh, Karl Marx famously said that religion is the opiate of the masses. Wrong. What puts the masses to sleep? It's not religion. It's entertainment. Entertainment lulls America to insensibility 
to its spiritual danger. Pleasure, hedonism, and you can add here alcohol, drugs, etc., etc., the circuit of parties, movies, and other things that people are occupied with and occupying themselves with, and all the more they're movie binging because we're sitting, we're stuck at home with this quarantine. Well, don't get me wrong, you know, to watch a movie, you know, I'm fully aware of the doctrine of Christian liberty. And I'm not going to say that you watch one movie. It's, but what's your priority? Okay, you have, a, you have a couple hours to watch a movie. You have a couple hours to pray and read your Bible. Now, oh, no, I'm, not, I'm too busy for that. Well, fill me in. I don't get it. There was a book written, in fact, Amusing yourself, ourselves to death. It was a secular author. Amusing ourselves to death about American culture with its entertainment fascination. Brethren, I hope you're not amusing yourself to spiritual death by neglecting your soul for entertainment. Avoid spiritual sleeping pills that dull you when it comes to prayer. And then thirdly, that's already quite a mouthful, but let me add this third point very quickly, because honestly, we've already covered it. Uh, Colossians 4, 2, it says, with thanksgiving. Now, some 64 times, and I did a quick uh, uh, computer concordance check on this, 64 times in the New Testament, we meet with expressions, examples, or commands to be thankful to give thanks, or giving thanks, examples of it. In this letter already, we have six. Let me just read them for you. Colossians 1.3. If I can get back to the book of Colossians. There we go. Colossians 1.3. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So Paul expresses thanks. Colossians 1.12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Again, Paul's example, he's giving thanks. Chapter 3, verse 15. And 15, 16, and 17, I actually preached the whole sermon here. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Do you remember that sermon? Colossians 3, 15, 16, 17. It was just back in March. Now, I had to look it up, because I didn't remember. And I'm the one who preached it. So I'll forgive you if you don't remember, but hopefully there was an impact. You know, sometimes it's, it's like one old lady said, you know, do you remember what the sermon was about? And she said, well, no, uh, it goes right through my brain like water through a sieve, but, my, but I'm still wet. It leaves an effect. And so if you don't remember the details, here were the headings, the command to be thankful, the reasons to be thankful, the one to thank, 
Of course, that's God. One expression of our thankfulness, singing, making melody in your heart, and the fruit of a thankful heart. Thanksgiving pushes out selfishness and pride. Thanksgiving promotes peace. Thanksgiving eliminates grumbling and disputing. And ultimately, Thanksgiving glorifies God. Do you remember those? Well, here's a reminder. God put it here again. Why does Paul repeat himself so much? Guess what? We need to hear it so much. Thanksgiving gets crowded out. What's the application of this? Well, in spite of COVID-19, in spite of having to wear a mask, a wretched mask, we're here. We're together singing the praise of our glorious God. Is that something to be thankful for? We're alive and kicking. God has spared us. Spared us for what? For his glory. Spared us to sing his praise and to serve his name. I have much to be thankful for as we gather here this morning. Remember Matthew Henry? I think I quoted this before. I didn't look up my sermon notes, but... He said, God loves to give the most answers to prayer where he reaps the highest return of thanksgiving. If he invests answers to your prayer, does he reap a return on that investment of thanksgiving? Let us remember and be thankful. So what's God's word to us today? I'll just quote the verse or read the verse. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Those three things. So as we apply, as we wrap things up this morning, be diligent. Brethren, here's a call to prayer. A call, a renewed call to renewed faithfulness in prayer. It's not wasting time. You need it. Be the more committed, secondly, to the church's prayer meetings. Now, in God's providence, we come to Colossians 4.2, the very Lord's Day after we reinstated our on-site prayer meeting. And there were some empty seats, which I could see from where I stood in the front as I led. Well, but on the other hand, for the first prayer meeting on-site, after many months, it was a great encouragement. Brethren, be committed. And unless you're providentially hindered, I know there are providential hindrances. For some, their health may be compromised. We understand that. But let's gather. And if you can't be here, be online. And you know, your pastors would even appreciate it. Not that you, as as Pastor Khan said, uh, inundate our inboxes. But just to let us know that you were there online, that we were, uh, yeah, thank you, Pastor, for leading. Thank you. I'm praying for those matters. Uh, Because we as a body, are we like the early church, Acts 1, Acts 2, devoted to prayer? A third application. Join in more heartily to the pastoral prayer. Now, we seek in pastoral prayer, we we cover a lot of things. I've heard of some pastors who pray around the world, and by the time they say amen, everybody in the congregation is soundly asleep. Uh, And we don't want to do that. That's not our purpose in the pastoral prayer. 
but to lead you, the whole congregation, before the throne of grace to pray for important things. Join in to the pastoral prayer so that you can say the amen at the end. Brethren that lead in prayer, fourth application for those who lead in prayer meeting, for us as pastors, lead in such a way that makes it hard for people to go to sleep. Now, to be honest, uh, I'm going to bear my heart. Uh, There are times in prayer meeting, uh, not so much here, but perhaps more back with brethren across the sea, where I have actually prayed, Lord, help him to stop. Because it's going in circles and in circles, and it's droning, as Spurgeon said, like a bumblebee in a jar. And you hear a bumblebee in a jar, and that's that's like those uh, uh, websites where you can download music or sounds to go to sleep by. Brethren that lead in prayer. Be fervent, be earnest, be succinct. Get to the point. Storm the gates of heaven and say amen. Be more alert and zealous in prayer at home, in prayer meeting, in church. And do not neglect. What was the last thing? Thanksgiving. Don't be like the nine lepers who say, oh, I'm healed and go their way. And only one goes back to say thank you. Add thanks to your answered prayer. Now, lastly, sorry, I've gone longer than I I planned to, certainly, and you've been very patient, but here is a test. Lastly, here's a test of your spiritual condition. Luther also said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. A Christian without prayer Impossible. So are you alive? This tests your spiritual condition. Do you pray? Eh, Why pray? It shows you're dead in sin. But you know, here's the wonderful thing. The first act of someone who's saved is they pray. Now, of course, the prayer of of the wicked is an abomination to God, but there's one prayer that God loves to hear from a wicked man. What's that? God, be merciful to me, the sinner. You come to God like that, confessing your sin. You come confessing who you are because He knows you all through anyway. You can't hide from Him. You come, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. You come pleading the blood of Jesus. You come resting upon His uh, atoning work on the cross. We lift high the cross in this place. Why? Because the only hope for you is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And it's to Him, through Him, that we pray to the Father. We come to God through Him. And we have access to the very throne room of the Creator and Ruler of the universe. Come to Him in prayer this morning. Be merciful to me, the sinner. And you'll go home justified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which speaks to us, reminds us things we've heard before, but we need to hear time and again. 
reminding us to pray, encouraging us to pray, directing us that we would seek your face, seek it fervently, seek it being alert and aware, seek it with thanksgiving, for you have done so much. We have received from your hand grace instead of grace. And so receive our thanks and hear our cry. And as Christ is exalted, may he draw many to himself. We ask in his precious name. Amen.